Yo, yo, yo. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to the Third Wheel Podcast. Today, I am very, very stoked to bring on one of my favorite people, my cousin, a great friend, a fellow musician, an all-around homie of all of us here at the Third Wheel Podcast camp. This is Arnell Ether. He is the founder and owner of Royal Studio, an amazing recording studio here in Edmonton, Alberta. And we just are continuing on the second part in our series called Behind the Music. Last episode, we had Randy Urbanski. Now we got Arnell. We talk a little bit about starting a recording studio, how he got into it, uh, different challenges and pressures he faces as a business owner and kind of quitting his daytime job and going full time with the recording studio. We talk about music, a bit about the culture that surrounds Royal Studio and what they're all about and their overall vision and how they view art and the artists that come into the studio. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it, so let's dive in. Here we go. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll, no. we'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. Arnell pushed his mark. His mic as far away from his face as possible. Let's get one air horn, Arnell. <laughs> one air horn, just one singular. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like someone with a trumpet just got shot. We're low on the CO two today. <laughs> All right, guys, how's it going? You guys can hear us good. Yep, sounds good to me, boys. Dope. We are hanging out. Well, I am hanging out at Royal Studio in Edmonton here with our homie, Arnell, who is the owner and founder of Royal, or one of the founders, current owner of Royal Studio. Shout out Royal Studio. What's up? And this studio is like a second home to me, so... It's nice. Like, it's the first time I've ever done a podcast recording outside of my normal studio. And I was a little bit nervous, but it just feels good. It feels comfortable, which is sick. Me and Arnell are cousins, and we've known each other pretty much our whole, well, yeah, basically our, our whole, whole lives. lives. Yeah, which is crazy. And how, how long have you guys known Arnell for? Um... I have known Arnell from, I think, when I first moved to Edmonton, but before that would have just been random here and there encounters. Yeah. But act- actually becoming friends, I think, is... I, I came to Edmonton in 2012. Sounds right. 2011. So, since then. Yeah, I don't think we hung out until you moved here. I, mm. I don't think that we were friends before that, but... Yeah. And Jordan nice. Clark, I have known since uh, when you first... Well, I knew you from Lloyd, because you hung out with Slightly. the Myers. Yeah, you were just a little too cool for me <laughs> until, you, until you took me under your wing. Yeah, he moved to Edmonton. For a, f- for a few years, and then I leveled up. Yeah. 
you became on level playing field. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. I th- so I moved to Edmonton in 2012 as well. So it I I guess it hasn't been much longer for uh crooks than me. No. He's been hanging out, so. I'll blow your minds I, one step further on all of that. Okay, that, let's go. Um the Lloydminster Edmonton connection. Shout out to my hot sexy wife Julie. <laughs> but uh Shout if out I would, family Julie. You must be a you must be a pastor of some sort. <laughs> you just couldn't help but to call your wife hot. Couldn't yeah, before I to uh, start today, I just want to show you a photo of my family. Here they are. I married up, praise God. Pray- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, boys. Is she not smoking hot? All the guys are nervously sitting in the chairs going, There's yeah, like, no, yeah, no. Fearfully and wonderfully made? <laughs> what? I'm not looking at her. <laughs> I'll take your word for it, Pastor. So anyways, the Edmonton-Lloydminster connection, if I wouldn't have met Julie, I don't know if there's any other way that the people from Edmonton would have met the people from Lloyd. There's absolutely That's, no way. I think, Jordan, I think you and I were talking about that like a few weeks ago when you were in Edmonton. Yeah. That, yeah. like, I probably would not have ever met Jordan if it wasn't for Julie. It's crazy. Which is crazy. But yeah. which is where you guys met at school, right, Arnell? Yeah, Grant McEwen in music school. And then she started coming to the church. That's right. Yeah. That's crazy, man. And I'm like best friends with Julie's brother. So that's yeah. the connection there for those that may be confused. I just can't. The thing that blows my mind is like, it was probably a few hangouts away from me not being tight with you guys at all. You know, like I, f- I definitely credit Arnell for the connection that he actually invited me to shit, and like, like I said, took me under his wing and kind of included me and in stuff. Because from there, I met like everybody else. Yeah, so. it was a lot of fun. We, I don't know when you know when you meet those people that just instantly you're like, I don't know. Scott and I, my brother Scott and I, we call those people. <laughs> bros essentially when you meet you meet somebody and like you literally feel like oh man i feel like i've been hanging out with this person for years yeah and after the yeah. first hangout it almost it's similar to a feeling of meeting a really nice girl when you're dating somebody you're like oh wow like that was really nice yeah totally. and you yeah. go home you're like oh i want to hang out with jordan clark again yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> seriously it is, it is. that and the it's just a bro. It's just that's a perfect <laughs> yeah. word to describe. And I went as. home every time, being like, "Why are they wanting to hang out with me still?" But I'll just <laughs> roll with it. <laughs> He's a bro. You're a I bro, guess so. bro. Although I don't know if "bro" is still a good term to call people. I don't know. That might <laughs> really? be a little too Alberta. Oh. <laughs> yeah, could be. It's like a Chad. Yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are my chads. <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> yeah, the perfect way to describe that is just like, man, you just meet a guy and it's just like, man, that's, this guy's such a Berta boy, you know? He really rolls cold, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> it is crazy, though, because I don't think that off the bat, Arnell and Scott were... Like, I don't think I I went and hung out with you guys right away after meeting you. I think it took some time for me to get in there. For sure. 
It's funny yeah. because Crooks, Scott, and I are very different personalities, although we have many similarities. Yeah. But we mm-hmm. also have those, I guess, those personality traits that could set each other off. And it wasn't until we knew that we were just messing with each other that it was okay. Yeah. If and, that makes yeah. sense. And <laughs> Crooks is definitely... You need to get to know Crooks to understand his humor fully. Yeah, otherwise he's like, just a jerk. Right off the way, right off the bat, like yeah. sometimes, like his humor and stuff. Like some people would just be like, "Man, does he hate me or something like that?" Or most like, most people get that. Yeah. <laughs> it even still happens. Just the other day, I thought he hated my guts, and our friendship was <laughs> over. <laughs> well, that, that was true though. For that moment, it was definitely true. <laughs> That's a story for another day. Yeah. Dope. Well, we, uh, like I said before, Arnell is the owner of one of my, well, my favorite studio in Edmonton, Royal Studio. Definitely my favorite studio ever. It's just his favorite studio in Edmonton, though. Just Edmonton, though. (laughs) Yeah. There's some really good ones in Lloyd, so. (laughs) 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 That give Royal a run for its money. Uh, there might be. There might be. No. We don't <laughs> even have start a start mu- one up. We don't even have a music store in Lloyd anymore. So basically Tunes is gone. My- Tunes. Long gone, brother. Oh, RIP. <laughs> <laughs> so basically the only studio we have left is uh what you're looking at, which is my living room. So rappers hit them up. It's yeah. It's pretty busy, <laughs> so I'll try and fit you in. It's got a pair of rockets. (laughs) Send you to the moon. I got the KRKs, baby. (laughs) Buys one set of the lowest tier of KRKs. Yeah, I'm a producer. Adds producer (laughs) into his Instagram handle. Career's going to go through the moon. (laughs) That's after this podcast. You know, I'm changing my Instagram handle to influencer. Yeah. Yeah, aka podcaster. Rocket yeah, Man and podcaster. You can add on there now too. <laughs> Yo, so tell us a little bit about. You can tell that we are that good of friends when we're trying to do an interview, but we just yeah, I'm trying to start this interview, you fuckers, <laughs> <laughs> and we just can't get on track. We're just we're just loitering around the start of this podcast right now. Not yeah. ready to go in though, Lloyd. Okay, we're ready now. We're ready now. Tell us a little bit, just to kind of like set the groundwork for this interview, tell us a little bit about how you got your start with Royal and how, like what, I guess, what inspired you to start a studio and kind of like the beginnings of it. Like I know Royal has like a super special story, like from when it started to where it is now. So tell us a little bit about how that came about. I'll try to do this quick because it it can be a little bit of a lengthy story. It's a long story. story. Yeah, I'll do this real quick. But I think when I first started recording, I was in grade eight in school. And it was uh, some friends of mine at school that um, they had a cassette of their punk band that they wanted turned into CD format because they only had a cassette recorder to record their band. Hmm. You're aging yourself, bro. Yeah, and so they were like, can you put this to a CD? Because I had gotten some gear from my uncle. He gave me a bunch of gear, this old interface thing that had a couple of inputs in it, 
and I was messing around with putting tape to the computer and um, because Scott and I were obsessed with just making mixtapes and we had that, everyone's had that little tykes or the, I don't even know if it's like a, it's like a little yeah. tape player with the mic on the side of yeah, it yeah. that you could record yeah. with. And Scott and I just loved going to the TV and like playing a song or playing like a music and then we would record with the mic onto a tape and I, there was just something that wow. fascinated us about That's being crazy. able to record what I wanted to be in what order on the tape. And then uh, even to the, like, we just loved messing around with music. We had this drum kit in the basement that we weren't allowed to play on because it was always in storage. But Scott and I would always rip it out of the like the back of the basement. And uh, it didn't have a hi-hat. It just had a kick and a snare and a floor tom. And they had crayon all over the heads and the snare. Since there's no hi-hat, we just left the snare loose and rattling. So we hit the rim rattling as the hi-hat and then play the <laughs> snare. So we just love messing around with music so much. And then some of my buddies were like, hey, can you record this? I put their tape to a CD and that was that. So that was fine. But then I got, uh, we started a band when I was maybe 11 or 12. It was my first year in youth in youth group at church and they had a battle of the bands and it was supposed to be battle of the air bands but we thought we'll win definitely if we just play the song live and break the rules <laughs> <Try> hard. <laughs> so That's we learned uh, the right song uh, underdog by audio and adrenaline which is a classic <laughs> and uh we played it and uh we won the talent show but we then decided that we wanted to stay a band like there was five of us at the time there's a lead singer and um so we were like yeah let's stay a band and it's funny because the name of the band was trinity drive but it was the the lead pastor's decision to make it trinity drive we were in the back room he's like so you guys need a name he's like what about trinity drive the trinity <laughs> drives your music <laughs> I, was like, I didn't know what that's what that dude, meant i thought it I was like a street <laughs> no it's literally the uh the holy trinity driving the music so anyways, <laughs> funny story. We did that. That band became a thing. And then I wanted to be able to put music online because we had this silly little intro song that we played at every show. And I didn't know how to record. So I thought, well, that computer thing can record two, um, two or three microphones. So I literally just took two mics. I put one mic in front of our PA system where all our guitars and everything were plugged into. And the other mic I just stuck in front of the drum kit. And I hit record, and that was the intro song to our uh, our website for the longest time. Crazy. But that was our first like recording, and the computer would freeze, and the only way to get it not freezing, it was like an old Windows 95 thing, you had to hit the side of the tower, and then it would unfreeze <laughs> and keep working. <laughs> and so, yeah, and that was our first recording. And then my dad decided that he wanted to build a studio in our living room. So he did. Crazy. And my so like so was there did you guys put pressure on your parents you were you like knew you wanted like to do do music and you're like we got to record this like or did he just take it upon himself to be like i'm gonna help these boys out i'm pretty sure it was my parents on us like i've never when i was a kid i wasn't saying to myself hey you know it'd be sweet if one day i could own a recording studio and all my dad really knew is and my mom as well was that they knew that they needed to sow like time and money into 
what we were passionate about as kids. Arnold, what is so mean? <laughs> he means invest. Invest. Oh, okay. Just for people that might not understand. Sure. He he knew that he needed to invest time and money and care and attention into what we cared about. Yeah. And like, so he did. Like you would pay to like put your kids in gymnastics or like yeah. football, mm-hmm. soccer, like these sports and stuff like that. He saw that you guys being interested in that and just like that was that version just a different version of sports essentially. yeah and we wanted to play hockey our whole lives we wanted to play mm. soccer but we were never put into sports i was in baseball one year and uh really so scott and i wanted to play sports so bad i thought i was good at sports i practiced one year basketball outside all summer thinking that i could make it onto the senior basketball team at junior high <laughs> in grade seven <laughs> And I was so bad and I went to the tryout and I literally felt so embarrassed about who I was. <laughs> it's terrible. Were you wearing a Steve Nash jersey? No, I wish that probably would have helped. I tried out for the basketball team in junior high and halfway, what, Gare? And halfway through I got hungry. And so the coach came out, <laughs> brought him a McDouble. Gym. No, the coach came out of the gym and caught me eating a sandwich in the hallway. <laughs> and I didn't make the team. (laughs) (laughs) So, Arnell, it's safe to say that your parents, mostly your dad, kind of headlined your transition from just wanting to play music and be a songwriter into the recording side. I wouldn't even say that because the original idea was just to be a band and record at home. That was the original purpose of the studio in the house. And it stayed in the house for seven years. The first paid gig that we had as a studio was I was playing for this jazz band in junior high and uh, my dad got the gig to record the jazz band to make CDs for a fundraiser. The way we recorded it was we came out of a little four channel mixer into a VHS player and we pressed record on the VHS player. (laughs) That's so crazy. Crazy. And we got paid for that gig and put it to CD and sold many CDs to the parents. Because so that's kind of... I guess that kind of will speak more into like what we do here at Royal with yeah. the way we do things. We always record the VHS. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so if you're coming into the studio, you Classic better be prepared feel. to bring some empty tapes. You in. gotta bring some empty tapes. Yeah. Yeah. It gives you that retro feel. It's on tape. <laughs> yeah. But no, Yo, so, so like, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. So before you get too far into the story, paint a, paint a, a picture on what that looked like having a recording studio in your living room because i saw pictures and it was quite quite interesting for sure well imagine you walk into your buddy's house and the right when you get in the front door you look left and there's a studio with like a a window door (laughs) literally a recording studio to your left and then you walk down the hallway, there's a bathroom. You can go upstairs to the bedrooms, but you kind of take the corner and there's a control room sitting right there and a kitchen and a TV room and a, and a and dinner then, table. And then in be- yeah. <laughs> and I know this because we did lots of recording there when we were first starting out into music, but like in between the live room and the control room, they built a wall with a huge glass window separating the two. So you can see Man. in and out. And this is just... And it's there, and it was there for seven years, and it's the same glass window that's installed here too. So there's a lot of history in that. Wow, and that's interesting. The funny Your story. Your poor mom. My poor mom, and her bedroom was above the tracking room, so we had like a curfew <laughs> of like ten o'clock when we had to stop playing drums, just because like 
we would play drums all the time. We play music all the time. We come home from school, we're just playing music. And we just like there had to be some sense of courtesy. But if I'm thinking about it yeah. now, like think about how much of uh like a choice that is to say, you know what? I want my house to have a studio in downstairs. Yeah. And it's gonna be below my bedroom. Like think and my kids are gonna play in it. Yeah. That's crazy. Crazy. Yeah, that's nuts. So like I can't even like there's no way in any sense that I could repay for what my parents did for us. Yeah. That's and crazy. It's, and it's not even that they, they did spend a lot of money, but I'm not here saying that it was money that did it for us. Because right. what my parents kind of instilled in us was that if you want something, you just got to work really hard and you can get better at it. Yeah. It's not like you can have anything you dream of. It's not even that message. It's a message of like, no, if you grind, you work hard, you will get better at it and you can get some skill. Totally. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Because my dad kind of lived that his whole life like he just did what he needed to do to make things happen yeah, and like too. he owned a donut shop he owned a courier company he uh he did so many different things now he owns like a he he works for this coffee company that's like coffee machines and dealerships and that yeah. alone is inspiring that you can just do whatever you want yeah and you can work hard at it because if you if you're doing it for the right reasons it's going to work out I don't know. He did it because yeah. he wanted to live for his kids. My parents made that choice like right in the beginning that they're like, no, our job here is to raise these kids and to do a good job of it. And <laughs> I think they did. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And your dad, I, I think like growing up with your family and being around your dad and you guys all the time, like I think at certain times it almost seemed as if your dad loved it just as much, if not more, than we did. Like one hundred percent. I feel I like he was that. he was like living his childhood over again with us, like doing these crazy. Like we would be in there till like two a.m., three a.m. recording in your living room, guitars and stuff like that. And your dad's up there with us and like trying to figure it all out. And he just loved it. So it was so cool. My dad was our tour manager, and he drove the van everywhere, and he helped build the light show. <laughs> That's yeah. crazy. And so that so, kind of plays into all of like what I'm doing now. That yeah, drive. Yeah. Yeah. So was uh was Gary's band like one of the first bands you actually recorded that wasn't your music? Uh they sense? were probably the third band that I ever recorded. Um I recorded some friends yeah. from school, but yeah, that was the first band that we ever did like a full EP with. Yeah. I guess yeah. your first first band, we just did one song, right? Yeah, we put a mic with the band Amplexus. Yeah, God. <laughs> yeah, all the listeners out there, our band's name was our first band's name was Amplexus. Which, Can we get a translation for that? Yeah, apparent. Well, the one translation meant loving embrace, but then another translation <laughs> meant frogs having sex, which is a loving, loving embrace. Embr- loving I mean, embrace between two frogs. If those toads love <laughs> yeah. each other. Then there, there ain't nothing wrong with that. Ribbit. It's 2019. <laughs> Ribbit. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I remember we were in the live room and they just stuck. You guys just put a mic in the center of the room and just hit record, and we just played like all of us standing in a room together. Mm-hmm. I remember we were playing and <clears throat> I remember Wes was like, Wes, my brother who was our drummer, he was like slowing down and you could just hear it. Ashley, our singer, just going, don't slow down. 
don't slow down. Because <laughs> it's just picking up everything. Oh, man. And we just, we, but we were stoked on it. We were so happy. And oh, man, that we were day, hitting the big times. That day we well, when, burnt it to when a you're CD. That, and... When you're that age, like, there's something about, like, we just all played instruments and now we can, like, listen to it back. A bunch of 14 and 13 year olds doing crazy. Yeah. 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 That was, it gets you so stoked. It's like, okay, we're the next, we're going to be a band and we're the the next big thing. We're going to be Amberlynn. We're going to be Switchfoot. (laughs) I was trying to think of bands that would have been. That that was definitely our vibe. There you go. Guys, you you just nailed it. Arnell, Amberlynn. I think we could play with Amberlynn one day. (laughs) What if we, guys, what if we got a tour with Amberlynn could open for us? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. What if Amberlin opened for us one day? <laughs> there was a long time goal in my life that, and this kind of like, yeah, there was a long time goal in my life where all I wanted to do was play at YC, which is a Christian youth conference. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought if I can play at YC, I've made it. This is it. Yeah, if I happy. can open for the, the night that Chris Tomlin's playing, I've got it going, man. Man. <laughs> Even just give me the side stage of Hawk Nelson. Seriously. <laughs> With Jay and the Lovebirds. Oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> Shout out Jay and the Lovebirds. So you recorded their band. Yep. Yeah. And then so another interesting thing to me about the story, and then we'll get into a few questions about the studio itself. Uh the transition from your living room into the spot you're at right now. Yeah, so we were in the living room. How did room. all that go down? We were in the living room for about seven years. And then I just knew it was time that we needed to be looking for a place. So I was recording this song for my uncle, the same uncle that gave me that free gear, like when I started mm-hmm. seven years prior to this. And I was recording a song for him. And one of the dudes that was um, recording background vocals for him, his name was Harv. He's like, hey, your dad was saying that you're possibly looking for a spot to put the studio. You're planning on moving. And I was like, yeah, I think so. And he's like, I've got a, a spot on my land that you should come and check out, I think. And I, here's like uh, 17-year-old Arnell going, okay, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> I'll lease a building from you. I'm 17 yeah. years old. <laughs> and so my dad, Scott, and I came out to this spot and saw the place. And we were like, this is it. This is perfect. And yeah. uh, he's our landlord, and we've been here for eight years at this location. That's crazy. Sick. Yeah, I remember like seeing photos and stuff of you guys. Like To see it now, like it's crazy. Like When you guys first moved in here, I remember you were laying the... Because you guys laid the flooring. It was a concrete room is all this was. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I remember seeing photos of you guys like painting it, doing the flooring. Like, we did it all DIY. We had a buddy come and do the framing because that was like our vibe. That's how we did things. We just made it happen. And now, looking back, there's some things that we probably would do a little differently now, stylistically and things <laughs> oh. like that. But yeah, uh, Julie's, sure. Julie's making me paint the bathroom soon, which the bathroom is a terrible color, it's the color of pee. <laughs> <laughs> It needs to be it's white inspiring. or something. But yeah, so there's some things that we would do differently than we did seven or eight years ago. But for the most part, so, it's, it's we've been here. We've been doing it. So you guys went and checked out the place and then 
like your parents cut the check and they helped you out and no. off you were off you went at that point was the decision that my dad had to say okay i'm not doing this anymore for you this is your <laughs> yeah. own thing i gave you my living room for if seven if you want years. this yeah. you've got to do it yourself kind of thing and scott and i literally the day we were signing the lease we looked at each other and said are you sure you want to do this like we're signing up to spend money every month no matter what and we were ready to back out at that moment. And I can remember that moment very clearly. And if we would have backed out, I don't know what would have happened differently, but we did it. Yeah. And I will tell you that for the last eight years, it we haven't had an issue coming up with rent. And it's crazy to think about that. Um, that is a, yeah. a huge feat in my mind. And I'm very, I feel very blessed that that is a thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's crazy. Um, so I guess like knowing that you came from just wanting to record your own music as a band or as a songwriter, um, how do you, cause like me as a producer, when I'm working for other people, it's a whole different experience and approach for me as a producer working on someone else's music as opposed to working on my own. Like, do you find that, like, what differences do you find it going from just working on your own music to working with other bands and artists where they're coming in and they're essentially trusting you? They're saying, all right, this is my heart in this song. And like, I want you to help me like get this like recorded properly. Like, like what's different going from just working on your own stuff to working with other people on their music? Uh, there's been a lot of learning on that end of things uh, over the last, I would say, eight to ten years. Because when you're a producer, your job is not to inflict your thoughts or your music onto other people's music. Yeah. You know, I don't think that... Which is hard to do, I'm sure. Very hard. I think that, like, I even... I was watching some clips of Mike Dean playing synth yesterday and just listening to the way that he plays, and I'm like wow like mike dean is literally uh, for a lot of kanye's stuff he's a lot of that sound yeah so i think until you find somebody that wants you to do that yeah like if there was somebody that came in th into the studio which has happened they say hey arnell i just want you to do what you would do on this guitar part and right. i've been thank like I've, i'm thankful that there are some people that want that but for the most people which most is a part, smart choice on their part <laughs> if i do say so myself yeah most people don't, though. <laughs> and I actually get annoyed when I hear myself coming through a track. Really? I don't like it. I think that it annoys because me. Because you're... Why is that? Because you think, like, I'm here to record, like, I'm not here to play? Or, like, what do you... It's more so that I want to hear what that person has to offer, I think. Oh. You know, like, yes. I could just put Arnell on all of these tracks, but then it's just everyone sounds like Arnell. I think that everyone has a different thing to offer. And if we can try and find that and highlight it, it might take a little more work. It might take a little more time to get that sound. But yeah. when we can find it, that's sweet. That to me is when you start getting some real magic happening where you look around the room and you're like, I don't know how we got here, but we did. Yeah. And here we are. One, one thing that I love when I'm hearing like recordings or finished tracks and, and when I know who produced it or who worked on it, is when you can hear someone's production and like their kind of style. Like you can, you know, that person's work enough where you can 
hear that yeah. person in that song, but it's still that artist's song. Yeah. It's yeah. not like totally, it's, it's not like something left field for that artist, which I is a compliment to you because I because I've been around you and I know your guitar playing and I know the way that you think about music and think about composing music. I hear that in recordings and I'm like, that's so cool. I hear Arnell in this, but not to the yeah. point where this is the Arnell, this is the Arnell show kind of thing. And that's, I feel like that's when you're doing producing correctly is when you're like, all right, let me try and with the tools and the signature like ideas and the way that I think about music as a producer, I'm going to try and build the best world for this artist to live in mm-hmm. without taking them too far from where they feel comfortable. Yeah. 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 I, um, I was on Instagram the other day and I actually screenshotted this thing. I just pulled it up. Um, Paul Meany, who is the, uh, the lead singer for mute math and yeah. he's now a producer. I don't know if he only, like, yeah, I think mute math is still a thing. They're still a band but I think it's in a different sense. But I know that he also helped produce the newest 21 Pilots yeah. record, which, which is, is incredible. The yeah. synth work on there is incre- like just crazy. Yeah. But he, he posted a photo and it says, producing music is the negotiation between what you hear in your head and what you hear in the speakers. Getting both to agree is the challenge and the fun, mm. which is truly it because when you're working mm. with somebody and they've got this sound in their head, and they're trying yeah. to describe it to you. Yeah. Your job as a producer is to try and get that picture to come out of the speakers. Yeah. And think about how hard that is. They're describing it to you and you have to interpret what they're saying and try and record it in a way that it comes out of the speakers. Yeah. I've had some bad experiences where I haven't done a good job of that. And I literally have to say, I don't know what you're asking me to <laughs> yeah. do. And I, I yeah. think literally every producer... I think any producer would be lying if they said that they haven't had those experiences because it's such a hard thing. And it's like a muscle that you have to work out Mm -hmm. and you have to build and get better at. And yeah, it, it, and it's like, like being an audio engineer, just mixing sound or something like that or mixing a track, you're engineering something you cannot see. You're just literally, you can't see what you're engineering and you're trying to make it sound and you're trying to paint this picture with it, with the sound. And it's this same in in the same respect you're doing that while you're producing as well. You 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 don't really know like you can see the instruments and things that you're kind of doing, the tools you're using, but like you're trying to engineer this sound that another human is hearing inside of their head yeah. and they're trying to figure out how to explain it to you. And well, like, it's and, crazy. And correct me if I'm wrong wrong, Arnell. Sometimes it's just not a like the chemistry just isn't there, right? 100%. Like, yeah. Because yeah. like too, like imagine if an artist comes in and you're like, okay, cool. Really stoked to work with you. Um, how do you want this song to feel? Or what's the story behind this song? Yeah. Or what's the, like what, um, what pictures or colors do you want to see when you're listening to this music? And they've never thought of any of that. They just think, oh, it's fun to be in a band. We just wrote this song to write a song, yeah. which is totally fine. But if they don't have that ready to go, that can cause, like, it's really hard then for me to find a starting point. Yeah, exactly. Then you're just shooting in the dark, really. Totally. So, but I've had some some run-ins, a couple of run-ins. There's a fun story about this one run-in with a band that I uh, I was working with. The lead singer was 
really stuck on this one part. And I'm not married to different parts in a song and different guitar parts, synth parts. I don't need it to get... Like, if I come up with an idea, I'm not married to my idea. I don't need it to come across. But this one guitar player, the lead singer of the band, was... um, it just wasn't happening, the part that he was playing. And I was like, I don't know if I like that part. And he just wouldn't kill the part. And the whole band was like, I don't know. I don't like that part. It's not really sitting right in the song. And then it just kept going back and forth, back and forth. No, I want this. And and then to, it got to the point where I turned around in the chair and I said, you are the hardest person I've ever worked with in my life. Yeah. In my <laughs> life! <laughs> and... uh we it, the room just died because I don't think anyone had ever talked to him in that sense. I was kind of upset, maybe a little overkill on my part. But we had been working for a month straight. They booked out the studio. Right. Scott and I hadn't seen our wives for like four weeks. It was terrible. Yeah, we were yeah. all at the end of our ropes. But that's what needed to happen in that moment because then the tension just broke. We talked it through, and we figured out what part would work. And that person is Daniel Othet. (laughs) Shout out, Daniel. (laughs) No way. Yeah. Yeah. Who is now uh, one of the interns here at Royal Studio (laughs) and one of my best friends. And Uh, because I took a chance of like, no, I feel okay with being vulnerable with this guy right now, being real with how I feel. And I just told him, you are the hardest person to work with ever in my life. Yeah. And it just broke the ice. Yeah. And it's... um like that i think worked out for the better because you were you guys were actually able to work through it and everything but like you and i like have both been in sessions where i guess the other end of the spectrum of being a producer is like yeah you don't want to take away from that person's vision too much where they're like not happy with their song but at the same time they're hiring you and paying you to produce their song they're like hey I'm not a producer. Can you help me get this song to a better place? Yes. And then you try and do just that in a respectful way, of course, and they just will not. They just have demoitis. They just can't get away from their demo track and, and they, they, they'll hire you to produce the song, but then they won't let you do your job. And that's yeah. also a very tough spot. It can to be, be very tough. Because you're like, it's just tough because it's like you're looking at the song. And this kind of goes back to like the difference between working on your own music and working on someone else's. When you're working on someone else's, you have no emotional bias to that piece of music. When, you're, when I'm working on my own song, I'm emotionally invested into this song so heavily. And it's hard for me to get past certain things because of my emotional bias towards that song and how I feel about it. When I'm working on someone else's, I'm just looking at it completely objectively, saying, all right, as a producer, as a songwriter, what would I do with this song? And look at it just strictly objectively and not emotionally. And it's hard when you're doing that and you genuinely, like, you care about the song and you want it to be the best it possibly can. And the artist will not, just will not have it and will not listen to you or trust you with that. It's just one of those things where it's like, all right, that sucks, but okay. Like you're the artist and it's my job as a producer to make sure you're happy at the end of the day, first and foremost. So we'll do it this way. And that can be tough. Yeah. Very. Yeah. You feel like you failed them really. 
Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. the worst part is that you feel like, well, you've, you've paid me to be your producer and I can't do it, obviously. Yeah. And that's, a, man, the amount of times that I drive away from this place, driving home thinking, man, I suck. And this is just, <laughs> this is just a creative struggle. This is yeah. anyone out there mm-hmm. that's a creative, you know what this feels like. You write totally. some music, you write a poem, you paint a picture, you take a photo, you look at it and you go, man. I suck or you're scrolling Instagram and someone else's photo comes up and it's really nice, but your insides are going, Oh, I hate this photo, yeah. but it's so nice, yeah. but you're just jealous that your photo doesn't look like that. Yeah. Or you, or you pull away super excited about what you did. Yep. And then you, on your car ride home, like you throw on your favorite band or whatever, and you listen to their song. You're just like, <laughs> fuck man. It's like, I suck. Yeah, and then you I actually home. suck. <laughs> You're like, I should give up on all of this. Why am I even doing this? Yeah, but but you've been doing it long enough that you're probably able more so now to be like, hey, it wasn't the right fit. It is what it is, right? Yeah, and like as honestly, far as feeling like a failure recording. Yeah, I think it's just the the whole war of having to constantly learn. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. You have to keep mm-hmm. yourself learning. And the only way to do that is to really highlight what you know you need to get better at. Yeah. It's, it's almost like, like that element of self-loathing is what pushes you to get better. Like it's almost what, how you, I don't know if, if you 100% loved everything you did, I feel like you wouldn't be able to grow. I don't no, know. Maybe, for sure. Well, maybe you would. Some people are really into themselves and do really well. Yeah. <laughs> I, but I don't know. I just, but how, do, I but feel like even you would those just that are into themselves, even those that are into themselves, they look at past work. Oh, I'm sure. And they're yeah. still, <laughs> still able to say, I've always had the yeah. thought process that somebody like Drake or Kanye, well, Kanye shows it for sure, but like, yeah those people that are at the very top, they probably look at their own stuff and they're like, oh, I could do so much better. Yeah. And those guys are at yeah, the top. Yeah, definitely you know? Kanye like, does yeah. that. Kanye definitely does that. Yeah, it's I always think about that one story from Kings of Leon. What album was it? Sex is on Fire and Use Somebody, I think, off of uh, mm-hmm. Only by the Night. Oh, yeah. And they, their two singles... Isn't wasn't it a thing where the whole band basically hated those they songs hated and were like, songs. we don't want these to be out. We're not fucking releasing them. Like, or that's it. Like, it's just not happening. We're st- we don't even want these songs to go out. And the yeah. manager, whatever, got it out and like they released those as singles and they ended up being like the biggest songs ever. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. great. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, nuts. Yeah. So Arnell, speaking of money and being at the studio full-time is this a full-time job for you right now or are you still doing side hustle jobs um this is a full-time gig for me i uh just celebrated my one-year anniversary of quitting my job august 23rd of last year is when i quit my job and went full-time studio i do mix at um the aviary here in edmonton which is a great local venue if you're from edmonton yeah check out the aviary shout Shout out. out philip and mark most beautiful guys ever but yeah so i do that on the side but i mostly do that because i really love it but yeah i'm full-time here at the studio and it's been great um we have a baby how scary how scary was that quitting your because 
because a year ago you quit your full-time job for the first time like you had to trust in the studio right pretty much that was it i quit my job yeah and then uh on the 23rd and then on september 2nd my wife went into labor and had our our baby lily <laughs> and then 10 days after that you went into labor <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> having to birth rent <laughs> that was probably a pretty crazy transition going from guaranteed income every two weeks or every month to trusting like clark said in this dream or this studio idea and like not sure maybe for the first few months if it would be continuous money coming in so yeah imagine that was probably super stressful to think about so this goes far back to when the studio started this idea of me being full-time because my dad and mom and for those of you that uh, are not Christians out there. This this is just I'm just telling you what we're doing here. My parents, <laughs> uh, they heard from God that they needed to keep Arnell in music. So okay, my whole life they just did whatever was necessary to put Arnell into music, and all of my siblings are all post secondary kids. Like they all went into different things and have very successful jobs and passions that are like academic. I just went to music school and my dad recently told me that my mom and him would ask themselves, do we screw up? Like putting Arnell, pushing him so hard in music? Like, did we screw up when we did that? Because Arnell has no qualifications for anything. Like, <laughs> yeah. he's a nice guy. That's what I got on my resume. I'm a nice guy. <laughs> I took English. Well, you did go to a recording stool- school, no? Yeah, but that doesn't give you anything. I could go get a job yeah. like pretty much anywhere that somebody with a high school education could get pretty yeah. much like yeah, it doesn't exactly it yep. doesn't qualify me for anything and it doesn't qualify me for a studio job either i just happened mm-hmm. to own a studio at the time of going to school that made me really it made it really convenient that i had the studio to kind of come back to mm-hmm. so my parents knowing that they just needed to throw me into music and for this year for it to kind of come full circle after literally 15 years of grinding seven years of doing this part-time in the evenings and on the weekends to finally after 15 years go full-time and just grinding Mm -hmm. so it was a scary transition but i knew it needed to happen and i i guess what it was always the dream right yeah that was the goal when we moved into this place was when I moved into this place seven or eight years ago, it was to eventually be full time. And Scott, my brother, he, he was my partner when we started this. And, uh, he since has, he doesn't work in here as much in the same sense as he did in the beginning. We were here all the time together, but now his role is a lot different. He's kind of like an on-call producer and like writing guy with people. And he also does photography and so his role has changed, but that's just kind of how partnerships work. There's always somebody yeah. who kind of like ends up working more than the other. And that's just how it's, it's going to work. Yeah. Luckily, I, I love my brother to bits and he loves me to bits. So it's not hard for us to figure out the whole Arnell's going full time and you're not, if that yeah. makes yeah, sense. Dynamic. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it was so scary, but so good at the same time. I got to see so much of 
uh, my wife and my daughter through those first moments that I don't think a lot of dads get to experience. Yeah, and no kidding. Honestly, I wouldn't trade that for anything. The studio could literally fail tomorrow and I would still feel happy with everything that we've done. That's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, one thing that... S- speaking of family. Yeah, speaking of family. Um, one thing that I, I see lots, and if anyone follows Royal Studio, at Royal Studio, Y-E-G. If you don't, do it right now. Do it right now on, on uh, Instagram. But one thing that you tag in pretty much every post with that you post about bands is hashtag Royal Studio family. Yeah. So what's the story behind that hashtag? How did that kind of start? Um, it kind of started because Scott and I realized that we run this like a family and that we really take care of our artists. I think a lot of people are surprised when we put so much time into their stuff. Yeah. Um, that we really do take care of the people that come and work here. Because I know, because Scott and I were in the whole trying to be a band thing, I think we realize how much work it is and how much you're putting on the line for a band to come to me and say, Hey, I'm going to give you 800 of my dollars. Yeah. I know what that feels like. And I know how scary that is. And as much as they want to say, like, I'm giving it to you and I support you as a studio and I think you'll do a good job. There's still that nervousness that inside that you're paying the studio and they could screw up and waste your $800. Yeah. 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 So I know what that feels like. And so we decided like a long time in the right in the beginning that we're like the only way we're going to be successful at this is if we really care about people's art really care about their craft Mm -hmm. and really take into consideration what they're feeling yeah and that's it sounds simple but that is a rare thing like for me for someone who's worked in a bunch of different studios the last like seven or eight years and even Josh, you could even attest to this as well, playing in bands and stuff is it's, you don't see that all the time and you think that you would paying so much money, but a lot of the time people are just there. They're like, all right, let's start this session, sit in the engineer chair, record it. All right. See you guys later. We'll let you know when the first mix is ready. Like there is a lot of those. It's just get this band in, get this band out as fast as we possibly can get that check. And then get them the mix as fast as possible kind of yeah. thing as i think it's super important to keep like arnell you guys must be doing something right because you got that like small family business vibe going on so people sure. get that special treatment you know like instead of going to some like corporate studio like a major label studio you're going to this local edmonton studio not that you guys aren't any less or any lesser but they're gonna put that much more time because they want to invest in the clients and get people to when they leave the studio saying, "Man, I got treatment here that I've never got anywhere else," yep. and that's going to spread, right? So, well, think about like any of your favorite spots in any city you go into. Like, if you've got your favorite, like I've got my favorite donut shop here in Edmonton. Yeah, exactly. And it's Take Five on 118th Ave, and uh, so fire. The guy, the owner, his name. I need to hit that up. You do. It's unreal. It's so good. Handmade donuts. They're so good. And he, uh, the owner's name is Leon. I was just talking to him like a week and a half ago. And those mom and pop shops, there's just something else. When you, especially when you know the owner, you're like, yeah, I know the owner, Leon. He'll take good care of you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, tell him Arnie sent you. Tell him Arnie sent you. (laughs) But I was talking to him and he said, I'll make this short. He said, I said, Leon, how long have you been doing this? 
He said 10 years by myself and 30, or sorry, 10 years with a partner and 30 years by myself. The guy's been making donuts for 40 years. Gangster. Holy crap. And he's been in the same location. That's crazy. Yeah. It's like, and I, I asked him, what's that like? He's like, well, people ask me if I want to get a better job all the time. Like, don't you want to make more money, Leon? And he's like, you know, the whole recession, people going to work in the oil field, all of them, they lost their jobs. You know what I have always had? The donut shop. Like that to <laughs> that me. That is so awesome. Like that's life. That's that's real yeah, life right yeah. there. Yeah. That's so yeah. cool. He got to be it with his family. From, yeah. Yeah. Stems yeah. from um, passion, I think. So Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I definitely think that like that is like for me when I think about Royal Studio, I think the defining quality is it just it's homey. It has that homey feel to it, that homey vibe to it. And I've been in huge studios that are million dollar plus studios. So is Josh. And you go into these studios and you just feel like I can't touch anything. Can I sit here? Can I put my water bottle <laughs> here? Can I pull a chair up to this console? Here, like there's nice equipment here. It's a nice, a beautiful, beautiful space, but just something about it, it just feels so homey and comfortable. I can come in grab a coffee, sit on the couch, and I just feel like good. I feel like I'm at home. And I think that's a huge defining quality and a quality that separates Royal Studio from all the other studios that I've been in. And I love that. Another thing that sets you apart is you and Scott um, know how to talk to people and you actually have personality and you're friendly and you're welcoming. And I saw, like, we see that as your friends, but it's the exact same way with your clients. And so it's, I think it's a game changer that you guys actually know how to talk to a person and you're not just like two nerds just hunched over a table. <laughs> which, just be like, which is kind of like a throwback to what Randy Urbanski, our previous guest, had to say. He said that yeah. he's like, one thing that separates him from a lot of people's he can get into a room with any artist and just shoot the shit with them, talk with them and just be casual. And, and he has a personality and he's personable and approachable and friendly. And some, not a lot of people are like that, especially like people in the recording field and stuff like that. They're just kind of like, well, it's easy getting, in, you know, in an artist world for everybody to be, feel like they're in competition with each other. Yeah. But I don't really have, yeah. to, I don't really have time for that. I don't you gotta <laughs> take you gotta take down that wall of titles. Seriously. Why am I gonna sit here and think that I'm the best studio in the world? Because literally I'm not. There's no way that I could think that. That would be terrible yeah. for me to think that way, to think that I'm the best right. guitar player or the don't worry, I'm gonna mix your drums like no one else would in the whole world. That would never happen. <laughs> yeah. So the best thing that I can do is come with the approach of like, hey, I'm gonna do the best that I can. I'm gonna literally pour my heart and soul into this for you. It might not be everything you want. I hope it is. That's my hope. That's what I'm aiming for. But you're going to, and then you kind of convey that, hey, I'm also going to learn out of this too. Yeah. You know, like I'm here to learn too, just as much as you're going to do this. I'm going to learn some things along the way. And I love that so much when we, I don't know, you just plug a random piece of gear in and something starts happening. Yeah. And like distortions happening, but you're like, oh, don't touch whatever we just did. That's sick. Yeah. And we've had so many of those moments. I ask 
Julie, every time like I bring home a mix or like around, I said to her once, Hey Julie, every time I come home from a mix session or whatever, I want you to ask me, did you do something that made you nervous today? Did you do something that made you scared? Yeah. Something that isn't conventional. Did you put a mic on something in a weird way that you never have before? Because until I, when I stop doing that is when I stop having fun with this, you know? True. Yeah. Oh, we put a mic on something. Oh, we can, we can put it. <laughs> oh, my story with Crooks in the Water. I actually think it was Wesley. It wasn't Crooks, maybe. But Checks I was. out. I cro- already believe you. <laughs> Crooks is the one that came up with this saying. But I was at the the, the console here. Oh, yeah. I was recording. <laughs> and I think, I think Wesley spilled a whole cup of water over like a rack. And water's just <laughs> dripping down over the rack. And their uh, FLTF was had a session here, and I got so upset. I do. I wasn't angry. Like, I didn't yell at anyone, <laughs> but I just got real quiet. And then Crooks is like, "Uh oh, we got Starney. <laughs> Starney has entered the room. <laughs> Stress, Starney. <laughs> oh um, man. That and with that learning thing, Crooks. I was literally just telling this story to somebody that we did not know how to program drums into yeah. Pro Tools. <laughs> <laughs> so we're playing electric drums from this midi pad with our fingers and everyone has heard this whole ramp up kind of scenario with uh any edm music where it's like that whole thing we didn't know how to program that so we literally took turns trying to go with our fingers Oh my gosh, we did it manually. Like, and I'm just thinking Man. about like, if there was somebody who actually knew how to program drums in the room, they would have looked at us like we were wackadoos. <laughs> hey, fuck faces, what are you doing? <laughs> we're doing also, it organically, okay? DIY. <laughs> Definitely didn't help that you. Uh, I don't think you had AC at the time. No. <laughs> so we were we were already Jeez. sweating our balls off, and uh, we had to put our fingers to the fucking grind there. <laughs> And that was maybe the same session that um, we took a break. Everyone had their shirts off, and they found out that if you lift your back on the hardwood floor, <laughs> yeah. you can make a farting noise. <laughs> yeah, the suction is like... <laughs> so weird. So anyone listening, just picture like We're 10 idiots. naked guys <laughs> lifting making their farting backs. song. Yeah. <laughs> we tried to record it, but it didn't work out too well. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. I was just going to ask, um, out of all these, you said like 15 years of recording, what are like some of your favorite, uh, they could be like funny or touching or, or whatever cool moments that you've had, uh, recording all those years. I know it's probably a lot. Um, but yeah, just anything that sticks out at you. There's so many stories. There's been times where, Scott and I have been in the control room and we get in a fight with each other and there's an artist recording vocals in the other room (laughs) and the artist walks in and Scott and I are in tears yelling at each other. Wow. And like, that's not professional, not professional at all, but this person kind of was okay with it because they were like, like you said, like everyone that works with us gets to a point where they, they're pretty much friends. So it's not as weird. 
Yeah. I always think right. when a band's done their album, we always call it summer camp's over because it literally feels that sad that your your friends are leaving and you're not going to see them for a while. Yeah. Summer camp's yeah. over. But see, so yeah, that happened once. We're both in tears yelling at each other. She got to stay and watch us make up and talk through it. I don't know. I guess Crazy. maybe she was okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, lots of funny stories with FLTF. I had Upper Lakes in here once, and Daniel was down to his boxers recording vocals for some reason. I don't know if it was hot. I don't remember why. It was probably hot. It was definitely hot. <laughs> he was just in the mood. <laughs> yeah, we haven't had AC until this year. So oh, finally I have an AC machine in this control room. It's so bad. But yeah, I remember there was days where it was just felt like a sauna in here. Yeah. yeah. I once had a band recording and um, a train, because there's a train track that goes behind this forest over right. here. And the train derailed and it spilled a bunch of oil down in that valley over there. <laughs> so they evacuated all of like Sturgeon <laughs> County. And uh, the band. I don't know why that's so funny. <laughs> so l- no one was hurt. So it is kind of funny, I guess. And um, not for the environment, though. A lot of po- oil field pockets were hurt. Yeah. So um, yeah, we're there's a band recording. We're trying to get this album done this month. We're like, and then my landlord comes to the door. He's like, Arnell, they're probably going to ask you to leave. They're evacuating all of Sturgeon County. You could hear just fire trucks outside, just like up and down the road. Jeez. And. I said to the band, you guys want to hide out in here and just keep recording? The reason they're evacuating people is because the oil could have exploded and it would have like, it would have blow, like it would have blew up the whole sturgeon area here. It would have been like a bong. crap. So I was, so we were, we're like, let's hide out. I think it's going to be okay. Let's keep recording. So we kept recording and then a fireman comes to our door here at the studios. Open it up. He's like, you guys have to get out of here. And then <laughs> I'm so I'm like, oh geez, this is pretty serious, isn't it? So I Arnell's in his boxers <laughs> <laughs> making fart noise on the floor. <laughs> and uh he uh the fireman made us leave and I was so nervous I took a bunch of photos of the gear so that if it did blow up we could oh, like claim something. Crazy. I was so nervous. That's wild. But that's a crazy story. Yeah. No that kidding. only happened like a couple of years ago too um any other funny stories there's like uh it's really dark out here every night so i always think i'm gonna die when i'm by myself yeah because your studio is right at right in the country it's in it's like like five minutes out of the city so it's like kind of in the country there's no lights out here i always think a wolf's gonna eat me when i go outside yeah (laughs) and i always lock the door i always thought that too i always lock the door because when I'm mixing in here alone, if there's loud music going, all somebody would have to do is come up behind with a knife and I'd be done. <laughs> <laughs> so Arnie, is there any um back to studio recordings? Is there any records that you have on your favorite list that you and Scott or you as an individual have worked on so far? Um, I'm really proud of pretty much everyone equally, obviously, but um there's been a lot of really good times here at the studio there's a gentleman's packed record that's a punk record that we did that was a huge learning experience for us and just a huge growing time so that's why i remember that one really really deeply the upper lakes ep kind of started off a lot of like the drum tones that i use now it's where i learned Mm -hmm. to do a lot of that 
and uh, also with synths and everything like that. Um, I worked with so many different people. There's uh, a group of rappers that I work with. They're called OTB. They're just the most delightful people to work with, and I just love working with them. They're so good. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, and like there's just everyone. I I can't even choose one because there's just so much that everything has a story and everyone has like a little bit of a backstory to it. Um, There's this great band called Evergreen that I've worked with. This band, Archivello, their EP was great. They were the band that was in when the bomb was going off on the train tracks. (laughs) Uh, Bedside, they're such a good band and like such pals. Uh, The band Shag, they're like this this rock band that super just cool kicks but they're so good um landry he's like yeah. such a pal i've been recording that guy for 14 years pretty much since we were at the house he was like one of the first rappers i ever worked with um i've worked with lusitania lights they're all pals as well yeah i can i i literally could listen top it of the morning so top sick. of the morning the so sick that's back at the house. That was recording. They like would stop. We'd stop for yeah. lunch, go in the kitchen, and make some food. That's crazy. <laughs> Casera, I've been working with, and and Garrett's been helping out with that. It's been great. Like, there's so much that I'm working with this band Cypress right now. All great people. So if you had to, so just like we get it you like all these people yep. that you record um but if you had to like if someone was like in your car and like you were an uber driver and they were like what do you do on the side and you said oh yeah i own this studio and they said well play me something that you've recorded in your studio what would be like the thing you put on trinity drive i'm <laughs> <laughs> plexus that would be so funny and they'd be like why did you choose that because Jesus loves you, brother. <laughs> oh, what a twist. <laughs> um, I don't know. I um I don't know what I would actually play for them. Maybe some rap that I've worked on, maybe Upper Lakes, maybe Good Rumor. Yeah. Good Rumor is a band that I've been playing with and recording with. Yeah, they're dope. Yeah. There's so much. Yeah. I don't know. Kind of cool. um I guess going off of that, like different styles of music and genre and everything like that. I I remember growing up in Edmonton there was there wasn't a lot of diversity in the music like the local music scene. It was a lot of metal bands and like some rock bands. And that was kind of it and like some folk artists here and there. Um and now I feel like there's way more diversity in like genres and stuff and artists that are coming up in in the local scene right now. Like there's hip hop, there's pop, there's EDM stuff. There's just pretty much everything from like one end of the spectrum to the other. And it's so cool seeing that because I, I remember a version of Edmonton where that did not exist. Like, do you think there's anything specific that plays into that or has caused that? Uh, I would say just the love of local venues that really helps a lot of that because, um, and they keep getting shut down, which sucks. Right. But, a lot of the local venues that support those kinds of music is are super important. There's there's this like alternative to alternative culture that goes against like the local music scene, which is like this club culture where people think that you got to go to White Ave or Jasper Ave and just get lit and dance to club music. Yeah. Which 
don't get me wrong. I like dancing and I like that kind of stuff, but I can't do that every weekend. But unfortunately, that's what a lot of people do. And that kind of stomps on local music scene. Because if they were to instead to say, you know what? I'm going to go get some drinks and go to my friend's show. Yeah. That causes kind of a different environment for people supporting each other. Totally. And it's that whole competition thing. If you get rid of that competition idea, then everyone's just working towards the same thing. Everybody just wants to create. So let people create. That is such a negative mindset to have. And it's very easy to get sucked into that mindset of like being super competitive. I think there's healthy competition and unhealthy competition. If an artist here in Edmonton gets an awesome opportunity and sees success, that doesn't mean there isn't room at the table for you to sit there as well. Yeah. Keep working. It's going to happen for you if you don't give up and you keep working, getting better at songwriting, better at your craft. You can't, like, getting angry at somebody or mad when somebody else gets a step ahead of you or is doing something that you eventually want to do is not going to help you in any way. And it doesn't yeah. mean, and it, them getting that success doesn't mean that you're not able to get that. There's more than one spot. Yeah. And like with the whole local music scene being strengthened, um, I feel like Edmonton is on, is on its way to become like a Vancouver or a Toronto. Calgary's a little ahead of Edmonton, I think, in some mm. respects, but I think it's on its way to kind of like prove itself in that sense. Totally. So is a place like Winnipeg is another big music hub, which is right. oh, definitely pretty incredible. Yeah. But it doesn't help when artists from Edmonton and sorry Garrett it doesn't help when artists from <laughs> Edmonton are like you know what I'm leaving you I'm going to Toronto to make it it doesn't yeah. help because the best thing Vancouver that you, yeah the best thing that you could do is say you know what I know it's tough to make it here in Edmonton but I'm gonna grind it out and let's just see what happens yeah it's I will say that when you were younger um you guys were kind of in the church circuit almost yeah so that would be really hard to do and kind of frustrating to pursue yeah but i'm looking at it now i would say that you're doing that now totally and i'm definitely empathetic towards artists and even since i've been living back in edmonton the last year and a half i've i've talked with artists who are like i really want to move to toronto i think i'm going to go to vancouver and you can do that and it might work out for you and i hope it does but i a lot of the time, and I didn't think about this, and a lot of artists don't think about this. You're going to move to a city that's so crammed with people, oversaturated with artists and bands and musicians, even photography. It probably, I'm sure it transfers over. There's parallels to other creative avenues as well. But speaking specifically on music, you move to Toronto, it's so oversaturated. There's so many people all living in the exact same place, trying to do the exact same thing at the exact same time. And it's so hard to get noticed, and it's so easy to be overlooked. It's so easy to be overlooked. Where if you start here, like one thing that's super exciting about Edmonton right now and I've noticed this firsthand since I've been back, is, like you said, it's just starting to bubble up. Like you said, Arnell, like Toronto and Vancouver. That scene and that art scene is really starting to bubble up here, and that's so exciting. Because if you can be an artist and be a part of the building blocks here 
and be a part of the building of what could eventually look like something like Vancouver or Toronto or like yeah. big music hubs. That's so exciting being a part of that. Yeah. And the local venues being shut down always sucks. I think about where you're at, Jordan Clark, they, uh, yeah. the roots no longer there right yeah yeah where the route was like that was a hub that was a hub because people would go on tour and they'd always yeah. stop in lloyd and play at the route like and that was where right yeah like jordan could go and see like stellar bands that are coming through canada because yeah. it's right on highway 16 and bands would use mm-hmm. lloyd minster as a stop and play at the route and i remember texting my in-laws saying like hey there's a really cool show happening at the route you should go to it on this day or whatever this when it was bands yeah. kind of going through lloyd yeah it's crazy like and yeah, in and lloyd you get to see it with like 30 people attending and yeah. you get to see this huge band that's crazy yeah a, a band uh from edmonton scenic route to alaska like they would come through to the route and have like the sickest shows and they would love it too like i would talk to them and they're like this place is so neat and they were playing to like triple like quadruple they can sell out uh, starlight crowds room. yeah scenic yeah. group that's crazy yeah and they yeah and it makes me sad when places like that close down because those places kind of foster yeah. that whole love of just art you yeah. know just an art house essentially yeah. right yeah totally unfortunately lloyd doesn't support art too too much i feel like they they have waves of getting good at it and then dropping the ball, but just in general, oil city. Yeah, that's how it is. Yeah, fair enough. All right, man. I think uh, we'll kind of like wrap up here. But um, what is there anything you want to say or anything you're excited about that Royal Studios doing right now or like anything coming up that you're super excited about? There's lots of change coming and plug it. There's uh lots of stuff happening. Garrett's working here a lot. Daniel Athet has started working with me here. Scott's still active. Um it's a big team here and we're working with new artists all the time. Lots of big stuff happening. Shout out to Nolan who does all of our video work. He's incredible. We have a network of people yep. that I just I'm just so in love with all of these people. Yeah. And um there's so many people involved and it's not just me and that's that's how I want to keep it. it. Royal Studio is not Arnell's thing. It's whoever wants to come here and make it theirs. That's what it is. And uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, it's really that's exciting, sick, buddy. Is there so is it is there any easy way for people to get in contact with you if they're thinking about coming through and doing some recording? Yeah, you can just DM me on Instagram. Uh, you can my cell number is up on there. You can just text me there or call me. I'm available 24 hours a day. Even though <laughs> that's at Royal Studio, uh, Royal Studio Yeg. Yeah, Royal we'll put it in the show notes yeah. too if anyone's listening and they're interested. Um, yeah, even if you're not interested right now per se, give them a follow. Yeah, I can say nice. firsthand that this is this is a place where you can come as an artist and you will be cared about in a genuine, yeah. genuine way, and I mean that. And I've and I'm not just saying that because I'm working more with Royal now. I'm saying that as someone, who, as a customer, I've been here. I've recorded full-length albums here. And it's, it's a very special studio. And it's 
worth it 100%. I can't say that enough and I can't be a stronger advocate for Royal Studio and everything that this studio does for the local scene. Like, it's awesome. And remember, Garrett, you're my number one customer. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all can DM me with the answer to that. I'll give you something where that quote is from. (laughs) It might be a cookie, but I'll give it to you. (laughs) Yeah. A free coffee brewed straight from the studio. Oh, yeah. yeah. If there's anything that, like any piece of gear, that's the question you should ask me. What gear do you need? The only gear I need is the coffee machine. Yeah. Facts. It's <laughs> it's the real attention grabber. <laughs> Best French vanilla in the in the West in Coast the- Canada region. <laughs> <laughs> and it's never broken. Yeah. Lies. <laughs> it's always broken because everyone orders it. Probably gets pressed like probably five hundred percent more than all the other choices seriously no nah, mochaccino oh the mochaccino is a mochaccino. fire drink <laughs> hey that's a, that's like uh that is slept on though i didn't know about the mochaccino you want to know what's until... funny is that garrett got me into this whole coffee addiction thing this whole coffee snobbery oh god yeah you can shut off your what? headphones there clarky we'll have to have arnell <laughs> back to talk about coffee again but garrett has got me into this I'll whole coffee snob day. and um but Garrett loves the coffee here. And it's not it's not like snob standards, but you know what it is? It's just good coffee. It's just it's the real, heart behind exactly, it. Exactly. Yeah. The heart yeah, behind it. It's just it. Garrett. It's just Garrett <laughs> afraid to say something. I think it's also the convenience <laughs> that you just press a button that says black coffee and then a black coffee comes it down. Nice. It's uh it's <laughs> it's like you know when you go to a diner and you're like sometimes you're like, holy shit, this cup of coffee is horrendous. And then, the, but then there's sometimes where you're just like, hey, "This is not bad for diner coffee. This is good." Like for that's com- usually after for, um, a night of drinking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but this, you could come 45 days off the sauce and get a coffee, and it takes 10 seconds, and it's a decent cup. It's good, and it's yeah. free. It's so. free. <laughs> All right, Arnell. It's a thanks, price man. point you can afford. Yes. <laughs> thanks Arnie alright thanks boys love you all <laughs> love you too buddy peace are you guys stopped and recording oh shit did I even start hey guys thanks for listening to yet another episode of the third wheel podcast man that was a good time with the homie RNL That dude is seriously one of my favorite people on the planet. And like we alluded to in the episode, he was a vital part of me meeting these two idiots that I have this podcast with. So forever grateful for him for that and forever grateful for him coming on the pod. It was such a good time. And uh, yeah. You know the usual stuff. Go follow our social media if this is your first time listening to us. And uh, maybe tell someone about the podcast that doesn't know about it already. Thanks a lot, guys, for your listenership. We appreciate it so, so much. We can't say that enough. Peace. Ciao, baby.